0: we everybody, and welcome back to Input 2. Sadly, Halloween is like two days away, so that means we only have one more horror movie to cover. I'm Emily Rubin, your host, and with me today is...
1: Matthew Yap.
0: And it's just the two of us because we're very lonely people, and we also really like the movie that we're going to talk about today. Yes. Um, so what movie are we going to talk about today, Matt?
1: We're talking Scream, Which the best. Is
0: our both of our favorite movies, yeah? Yeah. So, just like... Really quickly, like why is Scream your favorite movie?
1: Because I love the horror genre as it is, and I don't think another movie a lot of movies try to do, but I don't think there's another movie that does it, like it as well as Scream does with turning the kind of genre on its head and poking fun at it and being meta in a sense. They very much like created this kind of idea of like people being aware of not that they're in a horror movie but being aware of the rules of a horror movie and I think it's fantastically done it's a really fun plot and it's just it's a good movie
0: can you name the rules off the top of your head
1: oh gosh okay Uh, yes Uh, you can't have sex you'll die there's the purity factor Uh, never say that you'll be right back Um, and...
0: Extension of rule one.
1: Uh, no drinking. You got it. Yes. Yep,
0: there we go. See, we're pros. So, (laughs) jumping into Scream a little bit, it released December 20th, 1996, which was six days before my birthday, and I'm really sad, because that would have been the best birthday gift ever. It really would have. And... Funnily enough, it was originally titled Scary Movie, which is very familiar to another (laughs) franchise, which I actually don't like very much. It's
1: not my favorite.
0: But Scary Movie franchise uses Scream in, like, everything. Yeah. Ghostface is pretty much... I haven't seen all of them, but he's, like, the prominent killer in that, right? Yeah. I I would call Scary Movie... Well, Scary Movie isn't a satire, but uh, it's a spoof of the horror genre that I just don't think was done particularly well.
1: It's just not funny.
0: I prefer the satire and Scream. Yes. Uh, and really quickly, I think we should differentiate between satire, parody, and maybe a spoof just in case people don't know what the real difference is. They are a little hard to differentiate, but a satire tends to have more of an ironic jab to it. Yeah. Um, whereas something like a spoof is just kind of commentating, well, not even commentating, it's just more... It's more for the lulls, is right. the way to put it. Is that a good definition of it?
1: I think so. I With spoof and like parody, I always kind of think more like Weird Al Yokovic, yeah. where like satire, I think, is, not to sound harsh, but a little more intelligent.
0: Yeah, and I think that's why a lot of people think Scream, and the Scream franchise even, is some of the smartest horror movie satire, because yes. a lot of like the, ha ha, we're making a joke of the horror movie uh, movies are just that. Yeah. But Scream goes a little more in depth, and we will talk about that. But first, let's talk about the wonderful Wes Craven, who passed yes. away during my freshman year here, which was horrible because I walked into my t class and my professor was like Wes Craven died and I had to leave <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even kidding
1: <laughs> I was upset but I was not quite like that ripped apart by it but was, very sad
0: I was very distraught he uh, hit the last house on the left and scream really impacted my horror movie viewing experience and they kind of were my launching point for the genre I'd mm-hmm. say that and Halloween um, but for those who don't know um, Wes redefined the horror genre like three times and stuart heritage with the guardian is the one that kind of puts into perspective uh the three time rule and that just means that wes has three films that did reinvigorate the genre and those three films are less po- last house on the left not mm. last podcast on the left which is a great podcast it is uh that released in 1972 nightmare on elm street and then scream and Elmstrom came out in the 80s. Uh, but for Last House on the left, it essentially captured the public mood at the time. Uh, you have to keep in mind, during the 70s, we had the Manson killings. Yeah. We had Nixon and Vietnam. None of those were really good things. No. Um, so in our horror movies, we were looking for a sense of, like, catharsis through seeing all these terrible things on screen. And Last House is, it's definitely not a snuff film. Um,
1: it's just very brutal
0: i a lot of people would consider like uh, a lot of- it was banned twice in britain in two different not in britain in the uk in two separate instances um for those who aren't familiar with the movie there's a lot of rape there's torture it's really not a pleasant viewing experience no um but it kind of influenced that cinema verite style of like revenge porn. Yeah. Which is not my favorite genre, but
1: No, I actually don't like The Last House on the Left Last House on the Left specifically for that. I don't do revenge porn. I'm not really big on like torture, despite loving horror.
0: I'm not either. Yeah. I just this is one of the first movies that actually scared me. Okay. Because um, for me, maybe it's just because I'm a woman, but the concept of rape is something that I can't watch Absolutely. in horror movies. Yeah,
1: I won't watch a movie without and that. And this is brutal. This yeah. is a
0: brutal movie. Uh, but that movie kind of gave like paved the way for Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Halloween even. So this predates prob- arguably the like biggest slasher film. Right. The second instance of less reinvigorating the genre was in 1984 with Nightmare on Elm Street, which, yes. you know what the most important thing that movie did? What? Johnny Depp. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what a weird origin for a weird guy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, it also helped establish New Line Cinema, mm-hmm. which is interesting because they do just about everything now. I think they even did Twilight. They did. Thanks, Wes. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, Freddy Krueger is just one of the most influential slashers, and he defined the 80s. For sure. And then, finally, Scream, which is we're well, most interested in. So, 1996, it satirized the horror genre and inspired films like Halloween H2O and Final Destination and, I argue, Cabin in the Woods.
1: I Absolutely Cabin in the Woods.
0: Though that was not listed in the article, Stuart.
1: <laughs> Stu.
0: Um, he's also known for uh, The Hills Have Eyes, which is one of my favorite horror movies. Yeah. Uh, though I actually prefer the remake. Sorry, Wes. Really? I do.
1: Okay. Fair enough.
0: No idea why. <laughs> Um, And just another fun fact about Wes Craven, too, actually, he really likes birds, apparently. Okay. And in 2008, he designed the logo on Google for Halloween. I did know that. I didn't. I thought that was cool. And it looks really great. It does. Uh, even more important, I don't want to say even more important than Wes Craven, but Scream would not exist without the writer, Kevin Williamson. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, the director is important, but Kevin is the one that really came up for the concept of Scream. And for those who don't know, he wrote the screenplay for Dawson's Creek, The Vampire Diaries, and another kind of satire as I Know What You Did Last Summer. And he also wrote um, Scream 2 and 4.
1: Which, you know, four was a movie, but two was good.
0: We don't talk about four.
1: Four was odd.
0: <laughs> At least five probably won't happen now. Right? Because they wanted Wes, I think. Um, and a fun fact: Williamson came out as openly gay in 1992, which is a big deal because a screenwriter in 1992 openly yeah. being gay in the industry of the industry of film, the film industry, that is incredibly terrifying to yeah. think about. So, thank you, Williamson. We need more diversity in screenplays. So, kind of with this context of Kevin and Wes, why is Scream important? Why is Scream important?
1: I think Scream's important because I think it... horror had gotten to a point where people were having trouble getting scared at least in my opinion and so when you can't scare them anymore what do you do you make something interesting and I feel like Scream made a really interesting plot line which is not to say there had never been horror movies that had interesting plot lines but it really made this kind of like we've said satire on horror where we're able to recognize the ridiculous of it ridiculousness of it and still make the movie because you know a spoof movie it's not scary I wouldn't call it horror where Scream it's a satire and it is a horror. It made horror movies almost, it gave them permission to recognize how ridiculous the situation is.
0: Yeah, and you're absolutely right about, um, at the time, horror movies were becoming cliched and boring. In the 90s, there was an oversaturation of direct-to-video horror. As Mm -hmm. we know, those were the best horror movies.
1: Absolutely. And
0: then the other... uh,
1: All the Hellraisers that were directed. (laughs) And then
0: there's like the Jason movies, too, like Jason Goes to Hell. Yes. (laughs) The best one. Uh, And, of course, there were the franchise films, like all the Hellraisers, all the Jasons, Mm -hmm. all the Halloween and how many times can you see the same killer doing the exact same thing? You get bored. Yeah, it's it's incredibly boring. Um, so when Scream came out and kind of made fun of this, it was like, hey, we can have fun again. Right. <laughs> Yay. Um, and I also really like about Scream that it makes a jab at this, at slashers and horror, but it's a loving jab. Yeah. It's it, They absolutely love horror movies. You can tell. Right. Um, I say it
1: wasn't like they were trying to be like this genre is so stupid. They were like, guys, this is kind of funny, right? Like,
0: and that makes it funnier. Yeah, because if it would just came from a place of hatred,
1: it felt like a fan making a horror movie. Yeah, they were they were fans of the or the genre, and so they made like a love letter to it.
0: Thank you for the love letter, guys. Um, another interesting thing that Scream helped influence, uh, and I credit this to Refer Guzman with Newsday, mm-hmm. and he basically highlights that the unspoken rule in horror films is that the characters don't know that horror films exist. Right. It's like they've never seen a horror film to know you don't go in the basement. It's kind
1: of like how you like can't say zombie in zombie movies. Yeah. Walker. Right. It's like,
0: what It's a zombie. Yeah, but here we have characters that have seen the movies, they know the rules. They
1: and... love horror movies.
0: Exactly, and that impacts, it actually makes them smarter and more yeah. interesting. It makes them real. <laughs> um, Also regarding Scream, this is a franchise series similar so to Halloween, mm-hmm. and you know, the Friday the 13th series, there aren't as many. There are only four films. Mm-hmm. Five were talked about, but then Wes Craven died, and I'm not sure they're going to do it.
1: Yeah. I also think the TV series did a decent number on, like, not making five happen.
0: Let's briefly talk about the TV series. It's
1: uh, We're not
0: going to go really into it. I've
1: watched it all.
0: I, I quit after, like, the first season. Yeah. It's not good. So, so MTV decided they were going to do a Scream series. Um... First off, there's no ghost face. No. Which, how, why are you calling it Scream? I don't.
1: It because people die, and we like the franchise name.
0: <laughs> it was critically panned. Did not do well, and like you said, I think that this is going to be the reason that Scream Five doesn't happen. Yeah, unfortunately. But apparently, a third season's on the way. So
1: yes, it is. Thanks. They're making changes to try to like kind of meet fans' needs. It's going to be an anthology series anymore, so that way more people will die. I'm cool like, with that. Yeah, it's they're they're trying to make up for it, but I don't see it happening.
0: They had a uh, Wes Craven as like the uh, executive producer, I believe, mm-hmm. and. So they got to say like, yeah, he approves of this, but Wes Craven before he died was like, you know, I really didn't have input on this. And he says it very diplomatically, but you can tell he's like, please Not don't do into it. Yeah. <laughs> so do we, which screen films are good and bad?
1: Uh, one and three. <laughs> oh, you don't like two? Two, I don't think is bad. I just don't like two as much as one and three.
0: You know, three, they didn't operate on a script while shooting. I know. You really like
1: three. <laughs> I genuinely like three. It's okay. I like three, and like I, I recognize three is not a good film, but I like three.
0: That's okay. I because
1: like... I think three is fun because they, if for those of you who don't know, in three they kind of like they were making a movie about the like Sydney's kind of life almost. Mm-hmm. They called them stab, uh, and so. I think in the same sense that Scream 1 is referential to horror movies, I think Scream 3 is referential to the Scream franchise, and I think that's fun.
0: Okay. I mean, I like the third Halloween, so I can't really judge you.
1: I can judge you, though.
0: <laughs> Dang. Well, you know what? You know who can really judge Scream? There's critics. God. Oh. oh. <laughs> Taking it to 100. Um. So... As I say every episode of Input 2, I like to contextualize critics' opinions on Rotten Tomatoes. It is a certified fresh film. It has the same score as Halloween now, uh, which is 79, and it has the same viewer rating of 79. So, Okay, nice. It's a good film. It seems fair. I think it's fair. Um, so James Bernadette... Berta Danelli from Real Views gives the film a fresh score, saying Scream is a rarity, a horror film spoof. It's not a spoof that succeeds almost as well as provoking scares and laughs. I just caught that. Uh, it's not a spoof. It's not a spoof. But um, I something the reason I pulled this one is because I like that he pointed out that it provokes scares as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I Personally, doesn't scare me, but I think Scream succeeds in being a horror movie yeah. first and a satire in conjunction with it.
1: I watched it with a friend of mine, Michael, who does not like horror movies. I showed it to him because I'm very set on making him like horror movies. But he did get scared. But very few times have we watched a horror movie together and been like, that was like a really good movie. And he actually did with Scream because he said he found humor in it and he was also like frightened. So I think for someone who's like not desensitized like I am, (laughs) it would probably be a decently scary movie. Like there's – I would call them jump scares. But like there's – they're scarce.
0: They definitely have all the like the uh, musical cues for jump scares yeah. like, every ten seconds. Right, it's kind of part of the humor of it. But yeah, I think it's a very accessible film uh, for people that are horror fans in that like, it's. At least it's a mystery. Uh, I think there are a few points where you're going to be like, oh, snap, what are they going right. to do? But for people who aren't, I think it's uh, funny enough and humorous enough that you're going to laugh. And yeah. That's going to take some of the angst off of you know watching a horror movie. So thank you, James Bernard Dinelli, whose last name I love very much. And I'm saving the negative review for down here because I have a bigger point to make with his. Beautiful. So keep waiting so let's move on to budget super quickly again just for contextualization so scream did incredibly well its opening weekend it operated on a 14 million dollar budget and it made around eight million dollars in its opening weekend and over 173 million dollars worldwide including the sequels the series that's ranked in over six raked in over 600 million dollars oh my god so it's doing well okay (laughs) it's doing very well and this revived craven's career uh at before scream came out he was kind of in a whoa. he's making these really bad horror movies but when scream came out people were like i remember Wes. Wes is good <laughs> let's put him in more stuff so yeah scream's important so now let's get into the film specifically um matt tell us about scream
1: okay so Scream follows the wonderful, greatest final girl of all time, Sydney Prescott, and it follows her as she is coming up on the anniversary of her mother's death, and as that goes on, her and her friends are throwing parties, being dumb teenagers, but there's also a string of murders happening throughout the town, all culminating to Ghostface, the main antagonist, uh, showing up at a party that Sydney and her friends are at and killing everyone. It's a great Yay.
0: time. Oh, I forgot say <laughs> more. I was just no, sitting here that, looking. That, that's the movie. Yeah, no, that's pretty much it. It's a very simple premise. Um, there's nothing crazy about it. Even there's not even really a motive. It's just kind of like some guys going around killing people. Nah. But you know what I think is really cool about this movie? What? So the writer, Kevin Williamson. Um, he was inspired by an actual serial killer. Nice! Yeah, so Michelle Dean in her article, The True Story Behind the Horrific Murder Spree That Inspired Scream, it details the entire thing very well. Uh, and basically, Kevin Williamson was watching television, and a special on the Gainesville murders came on, and he was so scared by these murders that he started to imagine, like, this knife killer outside of his house and trying to kill him, and that's what inspired Scream. And we're gonna talk about this case, because... You can see the influence is so heavy, and I think that's so interesting. It is. And it's something I didn't actually know. I did not either. So, the, uh, the Gainesville killer operated in 1990, and his murders are weird and that he only operated for a few days on his spree. Uh,
1: like a slasher film?
0: Like a slasher film. It's like, just kind of come and go. So, for a few nights in 1990, on the 25th of oct- October, no, August on the 25th he killed Sonia Larson and Christine Powell on that following sun on that Sunday sorry Christina Hoyt was his next victim and then on Monday a pair of roommates Tracy Pauls and Manny Toboda were killed and all of them were university students living off campus
1: Barry screamed too
0: Exactly. So each one of them were killed in their apartments. And basically, they were all mutilated in some way. Sadly, Hoyt is the best example of this. She was found on her bed, bent over, and her nipples were sliced off. Ah. Yeah. Um, and what's so scary about this killer is they he positioned the victims in a way that when people found them, they would be shocked. So okay. he was posing them and the weapon he used was always a knife and we can see that in Scream. Yes. He and the article stressed very heavily he never used a gun. So there was one suspect that stood out immediately. He was 18-year-old Edward Lee Humphrey and he actually lived in the complex with two of the victims, Pauls and Tomoda. and a neighbor told the Associated Press that he had a crush on Pauls. So that gave him the motive. But as Scream tells us, motives are incidental. It's yes. the millennium. So yeah. <laughs> while he seemed to be the most obvious, it came out very quickly that there was a better suspect. And the new person of interest was 36 year old Danny Rowling, who was imprisoned in, in Ocala, Florida at the time. And before these murders, Oca- not Ocala, that's the name of the town, Rowling um, had done petty stuff like marijuana. Yeah. Like, but he also did armed robbery.
1: That'll get you. (laughs)
0: So he kind of escalated a bit. Uh, In November 1989, he was actually the prime suspect in the murder of Julie Grissom, her father, and her son, who were stabbed and posed similarly Mm -hmm. to the Gainesville murders. And (laughs) the police kind of caught on to him, and they were, like, chasing him down. And Rowling crashed his car, and that's what got him caught by the police. Uh And in regards to the motive, when he was tried in court... We didn't get one at all because he just confessed. He said to the Orlando Centennial that, your honor, your honor, I have been running from first one thing and another all my life, whether from problems at home or with the law and myself. But there are some things you just can't run from. So that was pretty much the confession, and we just booked There him. you go. So we have no idea why he did it, and that's so much more scary than somebody, like, it's not his girlfriend. Right. It's not somebody who wronged him. It's just a spree killer. And the thought of a scary, motiveless killer is what inspired Scream. Nice. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, it also kind of plays into the whodunit narrative.
1: Yeah, which Scream has like a decent amount of like mystery to it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I believe it was Randy in the film who's like, I admit it, I would be the prime suspect. Yeah. And that's kind of what happened to the first guy, Humphrey. Like, he knew them, and yeah. he was positioned to be booked, but it... What a twist. It wasn't him. It was right. some dude in a different town. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know.
0: And also notably, Rowling was really into horror movies. So that, I don't know if that inspired the meta.
1: Well, I say, yeah, because in the movie, they they call out that horror movies don't make serial killers. They just make serial killers better.
0: Which is absolutely true. Yes. And we need to stop blaming the media for what people who are unstable are already going to do.
1: Correct.
0: We could do an entire podcast <laughs> ranting on that. But um in regards to scream and the plot of it and the narrative Is it a strong narrative outside of just being satirical?
1: I think so. So I would argue, I think the first 25 minutes of the movie where Drew Barrymore is being like called and tortured. I think that's some of the best horror movie like content ever. I think it's amazing. Uh, And I think it lays up the film so well. And like, I think narratively, like you just do get this kind of very interesting story with Sydney and her mother. And like, a really great thing they do is they do a lot of like show don't tell where like we don't quite get like this tragic backstory of Sydney monologuing about her mother, but like just through bits and pieces, we learn more about Sydney. We learn to care about her. her. All the characters are interesting and fun enough to where Mm -hmm. you like them and are sad when they die. They do it perfectly.
0: Yeah. And I've said it before, but for such a simple premise, I have never. I've watched Scream a bajillion times, mm-hmm. and I'm always super engaged. The pacing is so nice. Yes. Um, nothing feels slow. Like you said, the opening scene, it it's just jumps you right into the murder. Yeah. And typically, horror films like to lull you in a little bit. Right. Like we get, we don't get to know this girl enough to have any connection, but it still feels like we know her. Immediately. Right. Drew yeah. Barrymore does an excellent, like a great job, and they don't frame her as just like this dumb blonde. She's smart.
1: Yeah, no, Cassie is just like, it's its such a compelling thing, and you fear for her, and like, you just immediately gain in with her, and when she gets brutally, I'd say the most brutal murder in the movie, yeah. like, it's just, you feel so sad about it, even though you've spent like 20 minutes with her.
0: Yeah, I really like to, um, just how brutal of a killing it is. Yeah. Um... So there's a funny story with that. So the MPAA or the Motion Picture Association of America, they mm-hmm. really hated this scene. Um, I would guess. <laughs> even though it's a rated R movie, they were like, Oh, we don't know, this is a little much. So they told Wes Craven, like, You gotta you gotta use a different take. And do you know how he got out of this? How? He literally was like I didn't film one. <laughs> uh, he definitely did. Um, and that worked, so they had right. to keep it. And then when she's hanging, mm-hmm. the MPAA was like, no, 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 no. You can't. That's too real. So, you know, like when it like zooms in on her. yeah. Um, That was not a choice that he made. It was they made him do that so that the realism wouldn't be there. Okay. Which fine, but there's so much worse in the, R-rated.
1: I genuinely... Uh, cause like we've said at that point last house on the left was out. So like...
0: right. <laughs> like, I just, I, it's just seems so surreal to me. Like even like Friday the 13th is worse. Yeah. So,
1: I mean, they string a girl up in a like sleeping bag and hang it over a fire. So she slowly right. roasts. <laughs> like...
0: I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I just thought that was a strange little thing. It is. So other than the opening scene, what are some of your favorite moments?
1: Um, one of my absolute favorites is when we see uh, Randy sitting in front, or not Randy, uh, guy who knows about all the horror movies. Oh, I'm blanking. This is terrible. It's my favorite movie. How could I? Uh, a character is standing in front of a TV and watching scenes from Halloween. That's Randy. Okay, it is Randy. I know things. Uh, he's standing in front of a TV watching scenes from Halloween, and as, like, a character in that is about to get killed. He's screaming, "Get out of there. Go." Like, "What are you doing?" We see Ghostface in the background coming up on yeah. him, and it's like kind of mirroring the horror movie, which I think is super fun.
0: Yeah, that's actually one of my favorite scenes because it's using like the diegesis of the film. Uh so diegetic music is if you so there's something in the film how do I explain it? So if a radio is playing within the film, giving mm-hmm. the film, like the music, the music's coming from within the film, that's diegetic yes. music. Non-diegetic music would be if you just put like, I don't know. A, a, the characters
1: like, want to be aware that the music is
0: playing. Yeah, like the Halloween theme. Yeah. So I really thought that was cool that they used that in the movie, like the Halloween music and like sound cues match up perfectly to what yes. they're doing. And that is so interesting. And I've actually heard a complaint about that. (gasps) I know. Wrong. So, (laughs) did you just say wrong?
1: (laughs) That's my whole argument.
0: So that's where we're going to jump into the negative critique I read. So this is from John Hartle from the Seattle Times. And he said the picture is so full of cross-references, self-mockery, and movies within movies, including a stalking scene that's recorded on video, the Halloween scene, that it can't help turning into a precious two-hour in-joke.
1: I, I don't wanna call it an in joke.
0: I I get my even if it is, like what's wrong with that? If it's doing it well. Yeah. I don't even get the point that he's trying to make about the stocking. Why is that it was done well. Yeah. Um yeah, I guess you could argue it was thrust in there for no reason, but they made it. Good. Yeah. I don't know. It seems so simple to me.
1: I think one of the things that's nice about Scream that I would like use to disagree with this is it's so attainable. Like we said, like even if you haven't seen a horror movie, you know what a horror movie is, so you get the gist of it. Sure, you won't quite catch all the little like references and stuff. Yeah. Um. There's like one point where like they go out and look at a janitor and he's wearing like a Freddy Krueger s- sweater. Yeah. I uh, like so there's little references you won't get, but I don't think that's gonna take away from the movie. Uh, and like you understand what a horror movie is and so you understand what people are saying when they talk about horror movies you know what
0: i actually slightly disagree with that as much as i love it gasp um if you weren't a horror fan i wonder a lot of the dialogue is strictly references okay i wonder if that would be isolating to somebody who hasn't seen it um Just off the top of my head, like, the first exchange after the murders first happened when all the main cast is sitting, like, outside a little fountain thing, um, that entire dialogue between Shaggy, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, uh, and his girlfriend Tatum (laughs) and Randy, whose name cracks me up, is strictly, like, references. Yeah. So, is that, I mean, it is unnatural, but for, like, people like us who have seen these films, it's like, (laughs) haha. But is it just unnatural to people who haven't?
1: I think I, I disagree because I think you would just kind of be almost like you, you wouldn't think about the dialogue. It's like okay. when you go see a space movie and they like toss out some jargon about like rocket ships and you're like, yeah, they know rocket ships. I think in this you would just be like, yeah, they know horror movies.
0: OK, that's a fair point. Well, sorry for uh, the Seattle Times writer because you're just wrong. You're
1: so wrong.
0: Another really great part about this movie, uh, speaking of dialogue, is the characters. These are some of my favorite horror movie characters. I love all of them.
1: I Uh, love Tatum, Riley. I don't know why I love Tatum so much, but I do.
0: Tatum is fabulous. I think... I always really like best friend characters that aren't the worst.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: they always like to put like the main girl with some girl that's just horrible, mm-hmm. that you would never you would never be friends with someone that's just putting you down. No. And Tatum, like, yeah, she's obviously the blonde. They show her sexualized, but it's all a joke.
1: A kind of a reason for her death is her boobs are too big to escape. Yeah. <laughs> like...
0: <laughs> Not going to lie. I loved it.
1: It's amazing.
0: <laughs> um, but I really like the relationship she has with her brother that she just kind of... Kind of makes him look like a complete dork
1: right like this like <laughs> he is an officer of law and she's like dewey stop
0: and i think we should probably point out that david arquette is the one that plays dewey mm-hmm. and um courtney cox plays gail weathers and they were married at one point and i think that's adorable because they have such a great chemistry then they broke up shortly Tragic. after but you know what may i like to believe that scream got them together i think so <laughs> confirmed right here <laughs> I really like uh, Billy and Stu. I think they both did an excellent job. Um, We kind of touched on it a bit before, but characters without clear motivation doing terrible things is always a lot more interesting to me. Yes. And I love that they make fun of that in the film, but they're also, the joke is, like, they're doing exactly that. Like, Mm -hmm. Billy especially gives himself a motivation despite them saying that's lame. Right. He's like, you know, your mother slept with my dad. But I don't um, have a motivation.
1: <laughs> that's, I think that's why I like Stu a little bit more because Stu's just here. Like, is like, ah, yeah, I'm part of this.
0: And for anyone that doesn't know, uh, Stu is just Shaggy in the Scooby Doo movie. Yes. Um, it's Stu Matcher. Um, no, that's the character name. My bad. It's Matthew Willard. <laughs> um, no matter what this man is in, it's Shaggy. He's Shaggy. Um, so I just refer to Stu as Shaggy. But he is infinitely more terrifying than Billy. Yeah. Because, one, he doesn't have a motivation. Two, like, he's just so loud and like he's
1: so enthusiastic he's having a great time
0: he's also the funnier of the two yeah (laughs) like um there's one point where billy stabs Stu, and they start stabbing each other but billy's about to stab him Stu's just like yeah do it right do it um but the girl gets away sydney gets away and she's on the phone like pranking them and he's like or, did you call the police? My, My parents dad's are going to be so, so mad, mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really, the humor in this movie is so organic. And it, yeah. And it's so great. Even in this, like, supposedly tense moment. Like, we're laughing at this guy that just stabbed himself and is bleeding yeah. out.
1: He's bleeding out after killing a lot of people.
0: And then he charges, like, he gets all that adrenaline. He charges her. And the implication is that he would probably rape her. Yeah. Which is horrifying. Yes. Um. But, you know. <laughs> on
1: characters we love like i said earlier uh Sydney Prescott is the greatest final girl of all times i have a deep obsession with final girls it's a whole thing i've written like research papers and done like pre- giant presentations about it but i love final girls and sydney prescott in my opinion is the best cuz she is so smart she is and smart. she checks every box of what a final girl is supposed to be uh until she has sex which like she almost dies for but either way my favorite one of my favorite scenes and i think is the most def- like Sydney Prescott moment for me is she has a gun and both Randy and Stu run up on the porch and they're like, No, 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 no like the killer, don't don't lock me out and rather than shoot one of them, like you know yeah. that they, they thought, she says, Screw both of you and slams the door on their face and locks them out with possibly a killer right behind them because Sydney Prescott does not care.
0: I also think it's funny that she basically calls from the beginning that it is Randy. Yeah. And that's something cool about Scream as a whole. Like, if you pay attention, it gives you all the answers immediately. Yes. Uh, Like, there's one scene where uh, in the principal's office, there are two dudes who are running around the school in the ghost mask Mm -hmm. outfits, and in the shot, they are, the two ghost faces are standing, like, parallel to each other, facing each other, and the masks are pulled off of them. It literally tells you right there, there are two. Yeah. (laughs) I, I didn't catch it the first time. And, um... With Sydney and uh, not Randy, what's his name? Billy. She's calling him out. She's like, "Oh, Billy, stop it!" And every time he does something sketch, it's not like she just ignores it. She no. Calls she's him
1: like, "That's it. so weird."
0: Uh, but the film purposely tries she, to trick
1: you. Yeah, she she even catches him at one point. Like mm-hmm, she does, she catches him with like a cell phone. And just because we like assume, like we, again, we didn't think that there'd be two killers. So later, like there's some evidence that there was an, there was another killing. So we're like, oh, I guess it wasn't Billy. Even though we literally already caught him at the scene of the crime.
0: Yeah, so. It's also cool that, like, going off that, she um, didn't hide anything from the police. A lot of girls in horror movies are like, that's my boyfriend. It couldn't be him. And she's like, Sydney was
1: like, no, it was my boyfriend. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I would have to agree with you. She's probably the most intelligent of the final girls. Yes. Uh, She's also pretty... She's pretty gutsy, you know, like when she first gets the call and she goes out on the porch and she's like, "Okay, what am I doing then? And she's like
1: picking Picking her her nose. Yeah.
0: Like she's challenging them straight. Yeah. Uh,
1: (laughs) It's literally like a what are you going to do? Kill me? (laughs) Like.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Actually.
1: (laughs) Yes. That is the plan.
0: They also all the girls in this movie fight back. Oh, absolutely. Tatum fights back. Everyone
1: fights back. back, And I think one of my favorite things about Scream that you don't with Michael Myers and like. Like Jason's and all these, it's very much just like a guy with a knife comes up and hits you in the head and you're dead, or like you try running away and you stumble and fall. But I think Scream's fun because it is a real character. Yeah. Ghostface, he trips over things and he misses when he like swings a knife at people. And like the fight feels more realistic, which yeah. I think gives it a little bit more it gives some more legs and some more room to be like kind of scarier because you're like, oh, that would happen to me.
0: I have a question for you. Have you ever watched Scream and tried to figure out what and what Scenes. It's Billy, and what scenes? It's Steve. Yes. Okay. So, give me uh, when Sydney is first attacked. Okay. Which one do you think it is? Hmm,
1: I would say Stu. Yeah. Yeah, because I think Billy was waiting with the phone call, and that's why he was like up in the room, like right after. I don't think he would have had time to like stumble and fall, and then get back to the window in time.
0: I try to look at it. Um, whichever one is clumsy, that I think that's Stu. Like in the first scene, I think it's Billy. Okay. Because it seems way more uh, put together. Like he. It's like he is able to go and get her like right off the bat without stumbling. He even like slashes her throat, plays with her a little bit. Yeah. But whenever it's like,
1: Stu usually is a bit clumsier because yeah. I, I think one that's like pretty like makes sense is like in the garage with Tatum. Uh, I think it was Stu.
0: Oh, yeah, when she's throwing the beer yeah. bottles at
1: him. And, like, Stu, at least, again, we actually have no idea who's killing who, but it seems like this place is where it would make sense that it was Stu. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stu does get, he gets hurt more. He gets, they, they fight back a little better. So I could see it.
0: Isn't it cool that even with the mask on, they manage to, like, differentiate? Differentiate characters, yeah. I would love an official, like, scene by scene of which one's which, just because yeah. I'm genuinely curious if they've, like, Purposely thought out the actions of Ghostface, right? And I bet they did.
1: I'm sure. Wes Craven's smart like that.
0: Whereas, like a character like Michael Myers, it's always like, even if it's a different actor, it's it's the same guy. Yeah. So it's gonna be pretty static. But Scream's really cool about that. Uh, any other characters you think we should probably mention? Courtney Cox is interesting. Yeah, uh,
1: I think it's... You're
0: supposed to hate her. Yeah, yeah,
1: you hate her. Um, I think Randy, which we've mentioned briefly, but I think it was a very smart idea to kind of add almost like a narrator and someone who knows all about horror movies to give you the rules.
0: I think he's the perfect character to give the rules to. It would be unnatural. It would be so... It would make it more obvious if it was Stu or Billy. Yeah, if it was. If they
1: were just like, well, if someone had sex, they would get murdered, and then someone had sex and got murdered. Like, it'd be a little on the nose.
0: And just like an on un- unrelated note, in that scene, it is one of my favorite movie scenes of all time. Just how blatantly ironic it is when mm-hmm. he's listing the rules of like the horror movie. Like, you know, he's like, never drink, and they all crack open yeah, the beers. Yeah, beers. And he's like, don't, don't say you'll be right back because you won't be right back. And Stu's like. Hey, want a beer? Sure. sure. I'll, I'll be, be right, right back.
1: Because <laughs> that's another thing I like about it is these very much, I don't think they necessarily look like teenagers, but these characters act like teenagers at the very least. Oh, they sure do. In the sense that like, if there was like a string of murders, at least in the town I grew up in, the people I knew, if there was like a string of murders go- going on and there was like a curfew inflicted on the town, we'd absolutely throw a party and go get <laughs> drunk and be like, <laughs> no one's going to kill me. I'm a mortal because I'm a teenager.
0: Yeah. I mean- Oh, you know what's really weird, Dewey? Like he was literally there supervising, yeah, and still everything goes down.
1: Yeah, well, (laughs) I think it's pretty well established. Dewey, he is a police officer, but that's also kind of a trope in horror movies that I think Scream really ran home is like the dumb sheriff, (laughs) and Dewey is the dumb sheriff. I
0: love him though; he's He's a cutie pie. Yeah, even characters that are super incompetent, you can't help but love them. Right? Like Gail's terrible person, but I love her.
1: Her One of my favorite things about Gail is when her cameraman gets, like, murdered and, like, his body's <laughs> like... And she turns on the windshield
0: wipers. Hey, she says I'm sorry. She does. She apologizes. She did it very politely. <laughs> but overall, the characters are probably some of the best horror movie characters, which is so funny to me because they're, like... They're not even. They're more like character. Like they're supposed to be caricatures. Yeah. They become their own characters, and that's really great. So let's talk super briefly about the look and feel of the film. There is a shot I want to highlight because I bet it was incredibly dangerous to do. Probably. Um. I'll do my best to describe it, but when you first see the school, and there's kind of a tracking shot, it, there's a crane shot of it going onto the school, and then the camera walks mm-hmm. into the school. So that was achieved. There's a guy on the crane, yeah. and you're not supposed to move on the crane. I just, For any of you who don't know, the crane is very high up, and you're not secured. This guy... As the crane is moving, steps off onto the sidewalk, and I know that doesn't sound bad, but it is. Trust me. Yeah. And he has I mean a huge camera. I
1: was about to say, despite like the fact that that's like dangerous in itself, like it genuinely is. Also, very expensive, very heavy piece like, of equipment he had on him. If dropped
0: that camera, his career would be over. Dead. <laughs> He'd probably die anyway. But um, on top of that, it's very still. Like you don't get a lot of shaking or anything. He just. Gets off of the crane and walks straight into the school all in one shot.
1: Yeah, when I learned about that, I was beyond impressed.
0: And it, it's it's hard to ex- describe because it doesn't sound that impressive. But, like, oh, my God, I can't imagine.
1: Think about walking with, like, your iPhone camera and how much you would you shake it anyways. Yeah. Now, imagine that with, like, a hyper, like, sensitive, super heavy piece of equipment and stepping off of a moving piece of machinery.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, for those at home, don't do it. <laughs> Even with an iPhone, we'll give die. it a shot. I'm not gonna. I'm not <laughs> gonna stop what? you, uh, Matt. Uh, but overall, I think. What is also really cool about Scream is that it's put together in a great way. Yeah. Because it's satire, they could have easily made it purposefully look bad. Right. But they didn't. They have all these really nice establishing shots. They have, there's another tracking shot too, where Billy is uh, finally attacking Sydney and Sydney hides in the house and he's walking from the kitchen to the uh, living room, I guess, or entryway. Yeah. And the camera f- uh, flows effortlessly through the house. You just see, um, you never see Billy go into the next room. The camera just pans over through the wall and into the next room and Billy comes out. Right. And again, that doesn't sound that impressive. But a lot of horror movies just don't do things like no.
1: this.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't have any qualms with the overall look of the film.
1: No, one of my bigger gripes about horror movies in general is I feel like a lot of times they feel like they can just slack on things like cinematography. Yeah, and like, they always do. Yeah, because they're like, ah, oh, it's a scary movie. People aren't coming here to look at the cinematography. But Scream did not take any shortcuts. They wanted it to be, on top of being a scary movie, they wanted it to be a good movie. And I think that's what really Thank makes it stand Thank you, Wes. Out. We love you.
0: I really wish that more films... It's inspired to not just be scary but mm-hmm. to actually look nice because it's so hard for me to watch a film that looks terrible Hereditary it, Whoa, we're gonna get hate comments now <laughs> I agree but yeah. but yeah, Scream is just really well made It's well made but what else do you want to say about it? Concluding oh, thoughts.
1: Concluding thoughts. I really do think, if I had to pick what I think is the most defining horror movie for modern films, not necessarily in genre as a whole, but for what modern horror has become, I would say Scream, is that cornerstone. I think it has insanely impacted what all modern horror movies have become, and I think it's great.
0: Absolutely, and with how much care went into this movie, if you haven't seen it, you absolutely need to watch Scream. Even if you're not a horror fan, uh, I can't say enough good things about this film. No. It I watch it at least twice a month. Yeah, <laughs> a problematic person, but yeah, absolutely Scream. Go watch it. Watch it on Halloween, actually. Yes. Forget Halloween. Like <laughs> this is the definitive Halloween movie. So I am your host, Emily Rubin. With me today is Matthew Yap. And he is fabulous, so be sure to check out his show, Puff Tabs. Hey. And thank you all so much for listening. You can catch all of our content on BiteBSU.com and The Ball State Daily. Be sure to follow us on all the social media, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. It's all at BiteBSU.com. Or at BiteBSU, <laughs> not at the dot .com. But go there, too. <laughs> Sadly, Halloween is almost over in oh. two days, which means... I can't talk about horror movies forever, but I'm sure I will keep shoving them in throughout the year. (laughs) Don't worry about it. Probably going to do Suspiria. But just because we're not doing horror movies doesn't mean we're not going to talk about some really great movies. And I hope to get into more film theory throughout. So if you're interested, please come back because talking about movies is a lot of fun. Thank you all so much. And thank you for listening.